Welcome to Spotlight, a PEI Group podcast that delves into the very latest in private markets investing. I am Adam Lay, Senior Editor based in London, and today we're bringing you the last instalment in our mini-series, Private Markets and the End of Cheap Money. Before we get to today's episode, I've got a little favour to ask you. If you found these episodes useful, we'd love you to subscribe to the PEI Spotlight podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can do this for free, and why not leave us a rating and a review? We'd be extremely grateful. And of course, you can also listen to all our episodes at PEI Group's various titles online, including those we've heard from on this series, Private Equity International, Buyouts Insider, PE Hub, Private Fund CFO, and Private Debt Investor. Okay, over the last four episodes, we've interviewed dozens of private market participants who've shared their thoughts on how the rising cost of debt is affecting the way they do business. In this episode, we'll take a look at the indicators that private markets participants are looking at to help them get a grasp of where the interest rate environment is headed. To be clear, we didn't ask for predictions about when rates would start falling. We were interested to know what signs and signals, what indicators they look for, that help them understand how to navigate an environment where interest rates are rising on an almost monthly basis. The people we spoke to cited a range of indicators they look at. Top of the list was inflation and general economic performance, though one GP said he took a pretty novel approach to getting a grasp on the situation, as we'll hear later on in this episode. Ignacio Jayanti is CEO of Corsair Capital, which focuses on private equity and infrastructure. To him, inflation and geopolitics are the main indicators to look at. Inflation and geopolitics are critical. We've seen now with the invasion of the Ukraine how a unilateral action by a country to take military action against a neighbor can be disruptive to the global economy. I've read estimates where, you know, economists are thinking that you know, the cost of the Ukrainian conflict to the global economy could be in the trillions of dollars. So geopolitics in today's world is more important than it was in the last 30 years, partly because there's less stability and partly because the nations that are at the forefront of potential geopolitical activity are so large, right? We're talking about the United States, we're talking about China, we're talking about Russia. These are massive countries with enormous impact on the global economy. So if one of them chooses to do something as Russia did with the Ukraine, that's gonna have a very meaningful impact. It's linked to, but not directly causal of inflation. To Jayanti, inflation is far more structural than people think. It's not simply the product of temporary monetary policies as a result of responses to the global financial crisis or the COVID pandemic. What will become apparent sometime in the next 18 months is that monetary policy alone will not bring inflation down to levels that people believe to be tolerable. And if that's the case, then we will have kind of a very significant further downshift in investor psychology, and it will really dampen, you know, investment decisions, consumption decisions. It will lead to sort of beggar your neighbor type economic policies, which, you know, we've seen in prior inflationary periods, right? It's just one has to go back beyond the last 30 years of private equity to sort of think about in a modern world, how would the modern economy react to much more deeper structural inflation? So, I think those are the two that we certainly at Corsair are on alert for. But I think, you know, although they seem kind of far removed sometimes from the day-to-day of private equity deal making, they will have a big impact. 
Inflation really was mentioned by multiple people we spoke to for this mini-series as the main economic indicator they looked to to help get a grasp of rising rates. On the LP side, Jim Pittman, Global Head of Private Equity at Canada's British Columbia Investment Management, or BCI, told us he and his team look at how companies within their own portfolio are doing. So we own 26 companies today, and we can actually look at what's the inflation that's occurring inside this company in Europe and that company in the US and this one in Asia. And then we also look at, well, how are we able to you know, change the price of our products to take care of the inflation? So I would say we use a combination of both what we see in our direct portfolio, what we see when we're talking to our, you know, the GPs we work with the closest around the world. And then, you know, other indicators are the broad metrics of what's going on in the markets in reality. Another LP, Craig Ferguson, Managing Director of Private Equity at Investment Management Corporation of Ontario, or IMCO, told us he also looks at inflation as an indicator, but from a labor point of view. I think labor has been a main driver of inflation, you know, in, in many of the situations that we've seen. And unfortunately, we're seeing companies in our portfolio that are able to pass that through. But we're very focused on what the labor markets look like. And I think when you look at the U.S. Fed, that's what they're focused on as a key barometer. Labor costs, labor force participation is key. Ferguson goes on to say that one area he's concerned about is Europe, which accounts for around 20 percent of IMCO's portfolio. We feel like we're well positioned in Europe as we look to grow there. However, that's a market where we probably are a little more cautious because we feel like the other metric would be energy prices and consumers' disposable income is definitely getting squeezed across Europe in a very meaningful way to the point where you know people are picking like how many degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit our thermostats are going to be over the winter in Germany. I think that's a real you know sign that we should be more cautious in that market. We have dry powder. And we're optimistic about the future, but in terms of doubling down or applying more capital at this stage, I think we're in a bit of a wait and see specifically there as we watch those countries kind of deal with the energy price situation that that's kind of, it may resolve itself quickly and easily, but I don't think that's our base case. Someone else who also told us inflation is the main indicator he's looking at to make sense of the rising rate environment is Fahim Ahmed, Chief Operating Officer at BC Partners, one of Europe's oldest private equity firms. To him, the fundamental economic indicators of inflation and currency movements are what he has his eye on. Here's Ahmed. I think the biggest thing that I'm looking at right now is just the continued inflation, because you know I think that ultimately is the, if you think about the proximate pressure on central banks to raise rates it is driven by this inflation. And so that's what I you know, continue to, to try to keep an eye on. To me, and maybe this is not, you know, kind of, again, from, from a classical economic theory, the right indicator, but one that I, I have at least found as a useful rubric is relative strength of the dollar, sort of almost what I would call beyond fundamentals. I think that tends to signal that the mood is a little bit negative, right? Because it's almost the flight to the dollar at that point is what you tend to see. Ahmed was speaking to us late last year when the euro was roughly at parity with the US dollar. Currency moves have swung a bit since then, but his point remains a valid one. Obviously, we see right now euro sterling for some similar but some different reasons at historic levels, certainly within you know re- recent history against the dollar. And I think as we see that or when we see that unwind at least a little bit, and I don't know uh, enough about foreign exchange rates to tell you what the ultimate you know level should be. But again, what I would call almost relative strength is is another thing that I sort of I look at as a bit of a metric that suggests almost the confidence that market participants have in the current state of the system. We also spoke to Robert Knorr, a managing partner at Mid-Europa Partners, a private equity firm that focuses on Central and Eastern Europe. He had a rather unique take. 
He told us that the thing he looks for when trying to get a grasp of the interest rate environment is the number of unsolicited approaches he gets from potential buyers wanting to buy his assets. You know, when you own something as a financial investor, your portfolio committee is always for sale. So even if you not launch the process, you very often, if you have an attractive asset, you receive approaches. So you could entertain those approaches without a need to go through the full process. Noor says that Mid-Europa is ready to sell any of its portfolio companies at almost any time, and that tracking unsolicited approaches can be a useful gauge because as a GP... When you receive an approach like that, you always try to understand at what kind of level that approach would be before you decide to do anything. And that is very, very useful. It's a very useful indication of when or whether you should be doing something with a particular asset. And I would say in, in situations like this, where you have more volatility, where, you know, there's more uncertainty, you're much more likely to rely on these approaches. Sometimes you can help them a little bit just to kind of test it a little bit rather than, you know, going to an investment bank and saying, oh, I'm launching a big process. And then, you know, you kind of go through a full M&A process. So that, that's kind of less likely. You would be less keen to do something like that because you would have some concern that this will not produce a desired result, and then you would need to call it off. So, economic indicators such as inflation, currency moves, and unsolicited approaches to assets. Something a few sources told us they also look at is the health of equity markets. One of them is Philippe Roche, a managing partner at Riam Alternatives, a multifamily office based in Frankfurt. He says that he looks to economic results and forecasts for developed markets, as well as how the US equity market is faring, to get a sense of how things are likely to pan out. Equity markets is also something that Millwood Hobbs, Managing Director and Head of North American Sourcing and Origination at Oak Tree Capital Management, told us he keeps his eye on. I think the equity markets are another good indicator along with the bond market because the individual investor in the equity markets has really been the driver through ETFs, through levered ETFs, through whatever 401ks, has been really the driver of price movement, positive price movement in the markets. And I think if you want to track something, it would be retail inflows, outflows of the market, because I think that outflow could accelerate, which could then cause equity markets to become more volatile, in which credit markets then also become more volatile, because there's generally a lag between equity and, and credit markets. That was Millwood Hobbs from Oak Tree, rounding out our five-part mini-series on how the rising cost of debt is affecting private markets. We've only had five episodes in this mini-series, but the impact of the rising cost of borrowing is going to be playing out for some time. We're sure there's going to be more to say, and of course, we'll continue to cover this topic from various angles on all of PEI Group's different titles. This mini-series wouldn't have been possible without the hard work of PEI Group's various editorial teams, especially MK Flynn, Chris Wachowski, Kirk Falconer, Robin Blumenthal, Andy Thompson, Graham Pippart, Alex Lynn, and Eric Fish. I'm Adam Lay. Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe to the PEI Spotlight podcast so you can stay up to date with all our latest episodes.